Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Scoop and Score podcast. I am your host with the most, Jacob Herbert, and we are doing a NFC North team preview episode. Uh, join me on the team previews. Uh, I've got Jack Wilson here. How's it going, Jack? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it, it's a pleasure. Uh, when was the last time you were on? It's been a long time. It has been a long time. It was before the draft, so. Okay, yeah, plenty of months. Glad to have you back. It's good to be back. It feels uh, good. Um, I did notice when I uh, called in, you are outside right now, so we might hear a little bit of uh, chirpings and the big city life car honks. I don't know if there'll be any, any honking, but you'll definitely hear the birds chirping. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, and since we're doing NFC North, you do get to uh, talk about your Packers, so at least we have you on for this episode, right? Absolutely. Well, uh there was some Packer news. We will get into it uh, here short. First off, some uh, news that we touched on last episode. Texas and Oklahoma both inform the Big 12 they will not renew media rights after 2025. I read a little bit about it. I'm not super knowledgeable about the uh, thing. But this is the one of the bigger steps that um, it, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, obviously they have to get invited by the SEC uh, presidents which I don't see a problem there. I don't know why SEC wouldn't want them. But then also 11 out of the 14 schools would have to vote to have them in. Hopefully some obstacles. I'm very against this. One, because I'm an Iowa State fan, but also it's just a shift in power to the SEC that um, I don't know. I don't even think it's needed. They're already better than every other conference. But, uh, I mean, money-wise, prospect-wise, uh, amateurism wise it kind of makes sense uh, Jack what's kind of your thoughts on uh, Texas Oklahoma leaving for the SEC if it does happen um, I don't necessarily understand what the whole money aspect uh, difference would be necessarily I understand that SEC probably you know everybody watches the big teams in the SEC but as far as like competition and recruiting goes you know I just don't I don't know if it's more of like I mean it's going to be way better for the players I think now that they're allowed to um, you know get a little money I feel like that's probably huge for them so I feel like all the recruits that are going to go to those schools are probably going to enjoy that a lot more but as far as like competition goes I think that it's just swaying all that power to the SEC kind of sucks for the other conferences because then you know it's pretty easy to get overlooked like for example you know Iowa State's finally competing in the Big 12 uh, and now you take away two of the prestigious teams that are in that conference and it kind of like the this cyclist could do fantastic all year and then people are going to bring up well they haven't played anybody good so yeah i don't really like that aspect but you know we'll see what how they actually gauge them when they're doing their their rankings in it so yeah uh i mean and there's a lot more to come uh with this news and stuff we're just addressing it as it comes out uh, but there is a lot of uh, theories of what could happen to the Big 12. Obviously, there's the, hey, let's add as many teams as possible. Let's stay relevant. Um, talked about, like, Houston, Cincinnati, SMU, UCF. Like, all these other uh, schools are being talked about of joining the Big 12. But there's also, like, theories of Iowa State might go to the Big 10 because Iowa-Iowa State connection. And um, there's something like an AAU membership something something like that. Uh, Kansas could go to the ACC because of their like basketball tradition and stuff like that. Uh, and they go over there to compete. Um, I can't remember who was 
or um, a theory of someone going to the Pac-12. But I, what what would you think would happen to the Big 12 if uh, Texas and Oklahoma left? Do you think they'd still uh, remain a conference? Do you think every conference would like freak out the SEC is getting Texas and Oklahoma that they'd try and grab teams? Um, I really don't know for sure as far as like those two teams going into the SEC. I feel like Oklahoma kind of makes sense, you know, That'd be really nice to have another good team to compete in that. That'll be fun to see. But as far as Texas goes, you know, horns down, fuck them. I agree. I, I don't think that they belong. I mean, that, they're just going to get beat to shit in that conference. So good for them. I hope they enjoy losing even more. <laughs> for but, sure. I mean, as far as teams like moving around in the Big 12, and then maybe if the Big 12 can snatch up some other teams, I don't. I don't know how the hell that's going to work. Um, I've seen a couple graphs on some social media that just had a general, um, like, complete adjustment of how the conferences are and kind of just section them off by location-wise. And they actually just put, like, the SEC in for, like, the southern teams, you know, the, the southeast of the United States, and they actually made, like, the Big Ten uh, Midwest teams, ACC uh, just Eastern, so I mean, I enjoyed looking at that. I thought that'd be it made sense, and it would be easy, cheaper for travel. You'd probably get a lot more fans at the games. You know, you'd be sold out pretty much every game, guaranteed, just because a lot less travel time for everybody. But I don't know. We'll see what actually happens. But you never know what's going to happen. All right, final question here. While I got you, um, would this kind of ruin college football for you? just because the, like, the general amount of college that I watch isn't like a, a ton of a ton of it but like as far as like um, the highlight games I would want to watch it would kind of bum me out seeing certain teams play and it would just kind of get annoying I think but at the same time I'd be kind of excited the, the first couple times that they would play I think it would be exciting but after that I would I would be kind of annoyed with it yeah I'm, I'm, I'm the same way like I it won't ruin it for me, but it definitely puts a downer, especially since Iowa State just got good. Uh, next, a little bit of news. United States uh, men's basketball team lose first Olympic game. Um, just like the group standings, uh, they're 0-1. They lose their game to France. First time they've lost uh, the first Olympic game since 2004, I believe. And then, like, I think it snapped like a 25 or 28 game winning streak, something like that. Uh, have you been paying attention to uh, the men's basketball team in the Olympics? I've seen a little bit of news about it. I know that we haven't been doing hot. I know I saw that we lost to, I believe it was Nigeria, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if that's ever happened. But uh, as far as like the players that are playing uh, for Team USA, you know, I'm hoping to God that it, they're just kind of out there fucking around, not really taking it as serious, even though they should be, obviously. Yeah. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be playing their heart out because they're representing USA, but, you know, hopefully once uh, the actual tournament comes and it's like go time, hopefully they can get their shit together and actually play better. But with all the international players from all the other countries that are big and relevant in the NBA, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. And with how many, like, other star players from the NBA that don't partake in the Olympic Games just to, to stay healthy and fresh for the NBA season get ready. I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be a different story if we actually had our top guys. Well, all of the top guys. I'm saying that we don't have all our top guys. 
like the true best NBA players going, I think it'd be a much different story. But yeah, I, I definitely agree on that. Um, and then when we did lose that first game in 2004, I believe we got the bronze medal. So history is not good. Or I guess bronze isn't bad, but United States goes for gold in basketball. We go for gold in everything, baby. We own the Olympics. True that. Um, but yeah. And then also the last part of news, but we'll get into it with team previews, is the Aaron Rodgers things. Stay tuned. Keep listening if you want to hear that news. Uh, but are you ready for team previews, or do you have any other news that you want to touch up on? Um, I mean, I guess it's not really news necessarily, but do you want to give any, uh, any uh, input on any of the Madden ratings that have come out for like rookies or I know I think it's only been receivers so far that I've seen but uh, seen any of those? I haven't seen any besides Devontae Adams getting a, into the, like the 99 club and yeah that's it's it didn't surprise me at all he's an animal well I I'll just I think I remember I think a f- I remember a few of the rookie ones um, Kyle Pitts was the highest rated one do you want to guess what he was really quick I'm going to guess an 84. It was an 81. Oh, okay. That's still and pretty good. I believe Trevor Lawrence was either a 79 or 78. Okay. And then I'm trying to think of the other ones that were... Oh, uh, who do you think was the highest rated receiver? I'm going to... Probably Jamar Chase. It was not. Who was it? It was the first receiver taken in the draft, which I guess kind of makes sense if they're going to do it, just kind of based on that, even though I don't think they should, but it was uh, Waddle. I think he was a 77. Wait, I think Waddle was selected after Jamar Chase. Oh, correct. Yeah, I think I honestly think that Jamar Chase, he, I think he might have been a 75. He was either 75 or 74. Okay. But I think him and Smith were, were both the same. I think they were both 75, and then... Waddle, I believe, was like a 77, 78. Okay, Waddle's speed probably bumped him up quite a bit. It might have, but I, I don't know. Very strange. I agree. Huh, what was uh, Sewell? Uh, I think he was like a 73. Oh. Yeah, they shit on him kind of. Like a once-in-a-generation once tackle, and they're just giving him a shit rate to start out with. But hmm. they must know more than we do. I'm sure that'll probably get adjusted pretty quick once the season actually starts when they come out with their updates but yeah all right well um that yeah that's pretty interesting let's talk about uh Sewell's team the Detroit Lions uh they were five and eleven last year head coach Dan Campbell um just recently hired coach Dan Campbell and the result of last season uh they were poopy uh they lost Matthew Stafford, wide receiver Kenny Galladay, cornerback Justin Coleman, wide receiver Marvin Jones, and cornerback Desmond Trufant. Uh, Desmond Trufant. Added uh, Jared Goff, DN Michael Brokers, wide receiver Brashad Perryman, wide receiver Tyrell Williams, and running back Jamal Williams. And they drafted Pene Sewell, number seven overall offensive tackle from Oregon. And second round, they got Levi Onowuzi. He de tackle from Washington. Uh, <laughs> what did you think about their offseason, Jack? Um, I feel like, uh, as far as, I mean, they're definitely in like a rebuild, and I think that for what they could do in one offseason, they did honestly a pretty damn good job, I'd say. But I mean, it's it's going to 
to take a couple years like any like any team that's doing a true rebuild like that. You know, coaching shift. You're coming in with a new quarterback completely. You're gonna have to change a lot of stuff. Hopefully, they get a lot of time in the offseason to mesh and get some chemistry built up. But I mean, I think they made a lot of good moves. I think that uh, for the receivers that they lost, they rebounded pretty well on that as far as they could do with like age and potential talent. So I think they did pretty well overall. Okay. Uh, I mean, you kind of touched up on uh, my first note. The Stafford for Jared Goff was the first step in a complete rebuild for the Detroit Lions. Getting picks and an offensive tackle for the future is a good step. Um, but, I mean, w- what do you expect from the Lions moving forward? Do you expect other moves to be made or anything like that? And also, do you see them drafting a different quarterback if um, they get a good enough pick? Yeah, uh, I definitely see them drafting a quarterback regardless of how they do this year, I think. Um, just to set them up, you know, because you know there's always one one quarterback that will go later in a draft, and they, they're they just not, like, you know, being looked at as serious as some of the other guys, but they're still, like, great talent, great potential. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they'll probably do that. Uh, as far as, like, moves, I really don't know what all they'll do. I think that'll kind of come with seeing what kind of like play style they're going to run like for offense and defense to see what they kind of need where they're weak at but I feel like that's probably going to take at least I would say four weeks into the actual season until they can really make a judgment call and see if they want to try to make any moves before the trade deadline. Okay. Alright, let's talk a little bit about Detroit's defense because Lions have one of the worst defenses on paper. Um, that I've seen doing these team previews. Uh, they have, like, Michael Broker, Jamie Collins, Trey Flowers, and Jeff Okuda to kind of hold it together. Uh, but do you see a way that Lions don't give up 30 points a game? Well, to be honest with you, I don't really know what kind of uh, a Coach Campbell is, but if he's got a, if he's kind of a defensive-minded coach, hopefully he can work with those guys and kind of utilize their talents and, and play to their strengths so that they can maybe actually hold up against some teams because, you know, they definitely didn't do well last year at that with a defensive-minded coach or so much. Yeah. So we'll see what they can do with it, but I don't see that happening this year. I think it's just going to be one of those learning curves. I bet you you'll see a lot more improvement, you know, last five or six games. Maybe you'll see them finally get some of their shit together, but I don't see it happening. Um, while they're relevant, they're not going to be relevant for it to happen, so think they'll be able to play around with it for a while and figure out what, what works for them. Yeah, it's not like they're uh, going into the season with a whole bunch of pressure on them. Um, yeah. All right, so Dan Campbell is inheriting a mixed bag of weapons as he has a young tight end and young running back to work with, but also a wide receiver room that is led by Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. Uh, do you see any of these weapons breaking out, um, or do you expect anyone to step up and... Uh, actually like produce and you can talk like fantasy wise too or just like overall stats yeah i see i see swift and Perriman really showing out and then depending on well with with what kind of system golf has been associated with and then with swift's versatility having a great tight end and having a burner with Perriman, i think that running a mcveigh shanahan floor style offense would be beneficial for him so I would see one of like one of those three guys really breaking out. It'd be Swift. Hawkinson could obviously break out at any point. He's a stud. I think he just needs to stay healthy for a year to actually get him his number. 
actually is, and then I think Perryville will do fantastic. Okay. Um, and then also this team includes Jamal Williams previously on the Packers. Do you think he'll have a good campaign this year? Yeah, I think he'll probably surprise a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, I love the guy's energy. I'm going to miss him okay. in Green Bay a lot, but I think that he's uh, he's one of those emotional dudes, so I think that he's going to be a big motivator for the team and hopefully help them out. So they don't just get down on themselves when they look up at the scoreboard and they're down fucking 25 because their defense can't stop anybody. I like it. All right. Uh, you have anything else to add to the Lions? And since this is your first team preview, although I think you know from last year, we like to do a projected record and then chances of a winning division by percentage. And, yes, I am going to add it up to 100%. Okay. Uh, well, last last little note on them. Then I would like to say thank you to the Lions for finally letting Matt Stafford out of that hellhole. Mm-hmm. And they are actually playing 17 games this year, right? So I give them, uh, uh, I give them six and eleven. Six and eleven. All right. What about chances of winning the division? Zero. <laughs> Zero. They legit do not have a chance. There's All no right. Um, I did a projected record of two and fifteen, but I gave you them. Only did I think Jared Goff is crap. I think besides like Swift and Hawkinson, I don't uh, have a lot of confidence in their weapons, and then their defense is not very good either. I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for this team. Well, I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna argue with it because I agree that they're shit. But I just figured they'd probably steal some games from other divisions and maybe steal one or two in in division. Yeah, I'm saying the Vikings. I'm assuming. I'm saying that they're stealing two games the entire season, <laughs> and uh, I gave them a five percent chance of winning the division. So, um, if we can, we can move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, last year's record seven and nine. Head coach Mike Zimmer. Result solid squad, but just middle of the pack. Um, I think they missed the playoffs by quite a few games. Oh no, it was only one game because I think the Bears made it with an eight and eight record. So, yeah, uh, their losses this offseason, they lost safety Anthony Harris, offensive tackle Riley Reeve, tight end Kyle Rudolph, but they did add cornerback Patrick Peterson, cornerback Rashad Perryman, D-tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, linebacker Nick Vigil, and just recently added wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. They drafted Christian Durasaw, uh, 23rd overall, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, and third round they picked Kellen Mund, Quarterback from Texas A&M. Uh, what did you think about this offseason for the Vikings, Jack? I think they address a lot of their needs with, with getting the quarterbacks because, you know, we saw them struggle with a young and experienced secondary, but they also, you know, lost a couple key positions and they also lost some uh, a lot of offensive experience, I think. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. I think they, they did okay. I don't think I don't know if they necessarily helped or hurt their team because you can never really tell with them. Yeah. how they're going to end up playing out. It, I feel like they're kind of dependent upon, you know, who shows up to play each week. So I'd say that they did okay, but I still think that they're just kind of in that middle rut of, like, trying to get the right guys, but they're not being able to keep certain guys at the same time or just having them come out a little too late or not come out at all. So we'll see. I don't think that they're going to be – I think they're going to be great, like a good – solid team. I just think that unfortunately they're the NFC North, so 
Fair enough. All right, let's talk a little bit of defense. Mike Zimmer admitted last year that that was one of the worst defenses he's uh, coached. Uh, Vikings added a good defensive tackle with Tomlinson uh, to line up with uh, Michael Pierce and uh, Daniil Hunter. He added uh, Nick Vigil to line up at linebacker with Anthony Barr and Michael K- Michael Kendricks? I think it's Eric. Eric Kendricks. Thank you. And he added Peterson and an underrated uh, Breland to that DB room that's full of young guys like Jeff Gladney. Um, will this bounce back this season? Yeah, I think having that uh, that improvement on the D line is going to be huge. They're going to have Hunter be healthy all year, and then they got uh, they got that experience that they needed at the cornerback position. So I think that helps a lot. Their linebackers have always been pretty solid, so I think that they're going to have a nice year. I just I think that it's going to be one of those things again where they're just gonna they're gonna like they're gonna stop the team. But it's as far as like you know, is Dalvin Cook gonna stay healthy? Are they actually gonna get Kirk Cousins to where he can actually go at all? It's gonna be one of those deals. So okay. I think as far as their success, it's gonna be more. I think their defense will be somewhat solid. I think that they're gonna have their slip up games where they're gonna give up like forty points. But I think that only happened like three or four times. As far as like the offense goes, you know, they'll just need they'll need Dalvin Cook to show up every week and make him a workhorse. Okay, so you're saying this team's gonna ride on the offense because defense is gonna be good, but slip up a couple times. But the the team success is based on how the offensive guys do. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like that's any team now. Yeah, uh, defense can only hold up so long before they're gonna give up some points. So. You know, you'll see it like the Bears are that perfect example. We'll probably get to them next of having a defense that can hold the team to not very many points, but their offense can't ever can't ever get enough points, so they end up having to close it out with like some defensive play or something. So I think that they're going to kind of slip into that frame. We'll see what happens with uh, with Kirk Cousins. I think is this his contract year after this year? I think he just signed a, like a new extension that added on to his contract. So I think. He's got like two it's more just years. Just milk and money, man. If there's anybody that can get down in history in the NFL as being the smartest contract negotiator, it's probably that guy. <laughs> True. He's made so much money and he should not have. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kirk Cousins' weapons. So Justin Jefferson uh, emerged as a star uh, midseason last year. Me and you both called it. Um, and set rookie records that had ev- everyone impressed. Uh, with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen still producing and Irv Smith finally getting the starting job, do you think this offense will be successful? And maybe even top 10 in the league? Oh, I don't think they're going to be a top 10. Okay. Um, just because of the way that they, they're like a, a work the clock kind of team. I think that Irv Smith will have a big breakout year. You know, I called it last year, but then Rudolph was still there and he played a majority of the stuff. And then when Irv Smith was in, you know, they kind of figured he'd be out on the route, so they kind of covered him pretty well. So I think that as far as, like, that goes, I think Irv Smith will finally have a chance because he's not going to be, like, a, a big dot on the map when he's finally coming in the game. So hopefully he has a good year, and since they have a focus on Dalvin Cook, that'll be great. I think Adam Thielen's going to suck dick and probably get hurt. Justin <laughs> Jefferson's going to be phenomenal. Uh, who else? They, got a, they just drafted a... a they draft an Iowa receiver? Oh, I don't know. Oh, did they get uh, Smith Marset or Marquette? I think that's his name. Smith Marset, I think. I don't know if they did or not. I don't remember. 
They might have. But I think that I mean I think that they're going to do fine. It's hard to hard to want to stick to your guy when you got Dalvin Cook, a freak of a man, running at you full speed. So well, probably down a little bit. Let uh, let those guys go over the top anyway. But all right, I got a two part question for you. Why do you hate Adam Thielen, and are you targeting Irv Smith in fantasy? I don't necessarily hate Adam Thielen. I just don't. I don't like the hype around him. I think his story's fantastic, and I love that for him. But I don't think that he is this insane receiver. I think he's got good hands, and I think he's a good route runner. But I don't think he's anything special, and I don't like that he's considered like a top ten receiver by any means. Okay. I think I think just seeing Justin Jefferson come out and play at the second half of the season, you saw how much better uh, Thielen was as a second man. He's a second receiver. He's a slot guy that needs a good outside guy to, to give him his space because he can't make it himself because he's too slow. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, are you targeting Irv Smith and drafts? That's disclosed information. Oh, I'm not, gonna, secrets. I'm not get, getting any information from you? No. Oh. I got plans for my draft, and I got, I got a theory of what I want to try to do this year, and I'm pretty excited about it. All right, that's fair enough. Um... Do you think Kirk Cousins' future is with the Vikings, or do you think Vikings potentially want to move on from him in the future? Um, I think I think they probably. I don't know if they necessarily want to move on, but I think they're kind of realizing that they probably should, just because. I mean, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I just think that the inconsistency is a problem, and. He can be really good one game, but it seems like it takes somebody to tell him to turn it on until he does something. And at that point, you know, it's just like, well, why the hell should we have to tell you to turn it on when you can do this the whole time? You should just be playing your heart out. And I know that guy plays with passion, but I don't know what the hell goes on. I don't, I don't understand how he can be, uh, like, lights out for a little bit, and then he just looks like he's never played football before in his life at another quarter. So I think that they probably just need to move on and try to figure something out and get, like, a true winner quarterback and see if they can find something. Okay, that's fair. Um, do you have anything to add to the Vikings before we do the uh, predicting? No. Do you think Daniil Hunter will lead the league at sacks? I don't. I do think he'll be top three. Okay. All right. Uh, what is your projected record for the Vikings? Uh, we'll give them a uh All right, and chances of winning the division? Uh, give them a, give them a 20%. 20%. All right. I went uh, 10, 10 and 7 for the Vikings, and I gave them a 30% chance to win the division. Uh, pretty close, then. Pretty close. All right. Let's get to uh, the good old Bears. Uh, no, Chicago- Bears, no, Bears. Chicago Bears, last season 8-8, eight and eight, head coach Matt Nagy. Result, they got the 7th seed but lost first round to the Saints. Uh, their offseason included losing Kyle Fuller, their cornerback, quarterback Mitch Trubisky, and offensive tackle Charles Leno. They added Andy Dalton and cornerback Desmond Trufant. And they drafted Justin Fields, number 11 overall, quarterback from Ohio State. And second round, they got Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle from OK State. Uh, what did you think about their offseason? I've had a good offseason, besides the Andy Dalton thing. But I think that was more of just insurance, just in case they couldn't get Fields or something. But 
I think overall they did a really good job, and uh, I'll be curious to see how their their secondary is. I feel like Kyle Fuller was necessarily completely underrated, but I think he was uh, he was a stud. So we'll see what kind of happens there if they kind of shift a little bit, what they can do if their rest of their defense can stay healthy too. Um, the Bears have had a cycle of quarterbacks going through with Mitch now gone, Foles experiment failing, and Andy Dalton starting a mystery. Uh, they went out and got Justin Fields. Do you think Justin Fields is the absolute uh, future for the Bears? Do you think they're going to have to keep looking? Because apparently Bears just can't get a, a franchise quarterback, so maybe Fields will be good elsewhere, but just not on the Bears. Or uh, do you think they found their guy? I think they might have found their guy. I really like Fields. I think he should have gone to the Jets personally. But just in the pick, not because he fits better on the team. I just think that he was the better quarterback. Um, But, I mean, the guy's kind of a playmaker. You know, he can do it. If if something's not there, he's going to make something happen. So, not going to lie, I'm a little nervous for him to be coming into the North. I don't like it, but... You know, we'll see what he can do. Hopefully, hopefully he's not like crazy good too quick. But I do think that he's got some crazy good potential. And you know, all the all the talk about him not being like a great team leader, and then he's, from what I've seen, he's been a great leader and wants to learn everything, wants to associate with his teammates, kind of does his talking through his game. So I, I'm. I'm a, I'm a pretty good sized fan of him for being a bear hater. Okay. Um, and reports from training camp says that he's doing uh, great. But do you agree with Matt Nagy's plan to still start Andy Dalton no matter what Justin Fields does? Um, I don't know. I kind of understand it, but at the same time, I, it irritates me. Um kind of like the same thing with like what they did with Tua, but Tua had the excuse for the injury before he really started, but I kind of feel like a lot of, I, I, I respect the coaching decision just because, you know, you, you're making a big investment on somebody, you throw them in right away, and they don't do great thing, and the mental strain has ruined a lot of good quarterbacks' careers, I feel like, so I understand that point, making sure that they're ready, they understand the game. Um, I don't think that Andy Dalton by any means is going to be starting week eight probably but we'll see I think that I think that's just kind of a protection thing you know make sure he understands the game the game flow uh, tempo differences and when you need to go that kind of stuff I feel like that's a lot of stuff that you need to watch and see it happen understand like the differences between NFL and college I think that's probably what it is just so that he doesn't get flustered and do something stupid or maybe even you know really get hurt or something I guess I don't know we'll yeah. see what happens I, thought, I think that he'll definitely be a starter before long though yeah yeah I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you he's too talented to like I understand Andy Dalton start or not or yeah Andy Dalton starting uh, week one week two week three but like this is still like a competitive team to where if Andy Dalton's sucking you put in the best quarterback or else the, the team just will not even like the coach because like He's not doing it to win. Yeah, he's a peacock. You gotta let him fly. Very true. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Bears' defense. They built an incredible defense a couple years ago, but with Khalil Mack looking like he's on the decline, injuries to Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks um, has hurt, and then also key departures in the secondary like Kyle Fuller, uh, Amos, etc. Uh, it, it leaves the defense kind of a mystery. Um, where would you put this defense among like the league? Like, is it middle of the pack? Not very good. One of the best still. Because I mean, they still have like franchise pieces around, like Roquan Smith and others. I put them at the top of, at the lower end of the top, oh. uh, higher part of the middle. Just because I mean, they're they're missing a couple, a couple components there. But at the same time, you know, they do have a ton of talent. And for the way that their defense can flow, I feel like they're kind of, if they let a play extend out more than, you know, eight seconds, then it's probably going to be bad news. But, like, the initial rush, I think, is what they're going to have to live on. If they can't get pressure right away, then their quarterbacks are going to have some problems. But in game, I think they'll be solid because they got that good interior and then they got good linebackers to stuff it up. So I still think that they're a good defense. I just don't think that they're quite as good as they as they were. Okay, so you want to rank them up like with the Bucks or uh, the Ravens or any, or the Steelers or anything like that? But they're still a top tier defense, just in the lower part of it. Yeah, just right after them. Okay. Tier two. Yeah, I'd still probably agree with that. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the Bears' weapons. So. This actually might be the highlight part of their team because they got Allen Robinson back. Uh, Darnell Mooney is looking to have a big step. I think they just traded Anthony Miller, uh, but they still have Cole Komet coming off of a good end to the season and David Montgomery coming off of a career year. Uh, Who are you most excited to see in the Spurs' offense this season? Uh, Justin Fields. But as far as the people that they they have, I, I think that between Mooney and uh, Mooney and uh, Montgomery, those are the two guys that I'd most like to see finally like have their big breakout year. You know, Montgomery had the second half, but he didn't really get it going until later in the season. So hopefully, he can carry out an entire season. He looked pretty hungry in some interviews. So okay, yeah, I agree. Uh, if they, he puts a full season together, then he could be. I think he had like fifteen hundred total yards something like that yeah and I think he had like I would say probably 75% of those yards in like the last 7 or 8 games 6 games okay yeah um do you have anything else to add what do you think about Cole Komet I feel I swear to god the Bears have some weird ass fetish with tight ends because I think they signed another one I can't remember who the hell it was uh, I think they just signed Jesse James yeah, it was just James. So I don't know. I mean, I think that – I mean, that's, I think, going to be their number one guy. But I think James will majority be kind of a blocking tight end, but you'll probably see him get a couple looks just because of the attention will be drawn away. But You are right, though. They love their tight ends. They have a weird thing with – how many tight – they had like 13 tight ends on their roster like last I, year, didn't they? Yeah, like at one point in the offseason, 13. Nothing insane. insane. I was like, what the hell's going on with these guys? <laughs> They're like, all our special team guys are going to be tight ends. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add to the Bears before we move on? 
no, he went to... Where did he go? He might have went to the Falcons. Oh, that'll be an interesting fit. Yeah. Wait, I no. got to know. I, I'm, good on, I'm good on the Bears, though. All right, what's your projected record for him? Chances to win the division? Yeah. Chances of winning the division? Uh, Give him a... 25. 25%. Alright. I also had 8 and 9, and I gave them 20% chance to win the division. So, on the same page there. Um, And now the whole reason you're here, Jack, we get to do the Green Bay Packers. Uh, last year they had a record of 13 and three. Head coach Matt Lafleur, result number one in the NFC, loses NFC Championship to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, eventual champ. So, not too bad. Uh, off season they lost center Corey Lindsley. They lost linebacker Christian Kirksey. They added quarterback Blake Bortles, <laughs> but uh, not really anyone else. It was. I mean, I wouldn't uh, categorize the Packers' offseason as quiet, but not a whole lot of moves were made. They drafted uh, Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia, 29th overall. Uh, In the second round, they picked Josh Myers, center from Ohio State. And in the third round, they got Amari Rogers, wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, Let's get to – well, first, uh, what did you think about their offseason moves? Uh, Pretty stagnant as usual for the Packers. You know, they don't really like to do a lot for whatever reason. They're pretty passive with that kind of stuff. Um, the additions that they did have, you know, uh, going with that first round pick, you know, I was kind of uh, upset initially with their pick of Stokes, but, you know, kind of watched some stuff, looked at some stuff that he's done. I wasn't too upset with it, actually, and it's a good uh, good position to actually get filled up. Uh, obviously, you saw how having a lack of quarterback talent kind of fucked us in that NFC Championship game, but that's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens. Hopefully he can play better than uh, King did, but um, the Myers from Ohio State at center, I think that's going to be good. I think that's probably one of those positions, though, that does take a lot of time to get used to, and not having Rodgers there during the mini camps that they do probably wasn't great especially having you know the same kind of communication and his kind of cadences all that kind of stuff that you need to know having Rogers quarterback I think that's probably going to be something that we'll definitely notice once the season starts I think that we're going to really see a lot of trouble with snap counts getting everything organized you see a lot more time get burnt up on the play clock even though you know they always run it down but uh, we'll, I'll be curious to see if they don't have to take a lot of forced timeouts just because of that inexperience at that role, but maybe he's better at that than I think. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, that's that was a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, center, I think center, you know, they say that left tackle is the most important position, but the center gets everybody up and kind of points out assignments and calls out rushes, checks with the quarterback. They got a lot of responsibilities that I think go unnoticed, but we'll see. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised, I think, 
Elton Jenkins has played center before, so I wouldn't be too surprised if we don't see a shift or something there. I don't think we will, but I wouldn't be surprised if something happens with them getting rotated around. Just with like the, the season, with the like yeah. familiarity with Jenkins and Rogers instead of new rookie with Rogers. Yeah, just, just if it doesn't work out, you know they like to play the best, the best five up front that they have. So we'll see what happens there. And then uh, as far as Amari Rogers goes, I really, I completely didn't even think about that dude. I guess uh, him and Rogers have had have had some history, or maybe it was Amari Rogers' dad that knew Rogers, but they've had some sort of chemistry already and uh, Rogers is a good receiver so I'm kind of excited to see what he can do he's going to be kind of a nice little addition I think yeah I heard uh, pretty good things about him um, in the rookie mini camp and stuff like that and he's even yeah. getting drafted in some of the deeper fantasy leagues so uh, who said the Packers don't do anything for Aaron <laughs> exactly. and we'll see you know you know I mean we got Adams who's obviously a stud he likes to play in the slot I think he's the best in the slot um, when he lines up, and then we'll see what they do with Lazard. Hopefully, Lazard can really come back strong. I don't really have too much faith in anybody else, so we'll see what they do with Rogers. If he can, if he can have that outside role, that'd be huge to have somebody just strictly there. Yeah. Um, but you know, quiet offseason. Other than other drama, as far as moves go, they don't really do a lot. Doesn't surprise me much. You get kind of used to it. Still annoying with a lot of how much talent is out there. They could have done some crazy things, but they're pretty strapped for cash, so I know they don't like to make a lot of moves. I think they just need to get better at negotiating contracts, and that'll come hopefully after this whole charade with Rogers and getting Devontae resigned, having everybody that they need locked down, and then just making smart contracts with the rest of the world players that they want. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about that drama. Uh, reports say Aaron Rodgers is close to returning to the team. Um, I believe what I read was the deal was they were going to restructure it in a way where Aaron Rodgers was free to leave after this season. Um, and then uh, after that came out, like, Devontae Adams said he was more open to uh, signing extension with the team. But, I mean, if he's able to leave after next year, I don't know why he would want a, a contract extension if that was a thing holding him up. Um, talk a little bit about it, and what was this like win-wise? Was this a win-win for both? Like, Packers get Aaron Rodgers for one more run at it, while Aaron Rodgers has like an out to uh, be with whatever, whatever team he wants. Is this a lose-lose? Did Aaron Rodgers win and the Packers lost? What's kind of your thoughts on it? Uh, it's pretty tough to call, honestly. Um, as far as him coming back, you know, I, like I say, I figured he would, but I, in, in my heart, I really assumed he would come back just because, you know, he's still proven that he's like the best in the league at that position, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't, I don't see why he would ever leave the game like that, but I don't think that retirement was ever really on the table for him either. I think that if anything, he would have done the Favre, the Favre quirk and, retire, get out of his contract, and then go sign with somebody else is what he probably would have done had things not gotten hashed out, but as far as the win-win, I think that it was kind of, it was kind of both a win-win and a lose-lose. I think it was pretty much, it was good for Rodgers to make his statement, voice his opinion, well, he didn't really voice it, but, you know, bring out, like, the 
controversy that happens with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. As far as like the Packers front office, they gotta win because they're gonna get the restructure that they want. They're gonna be able to do what they want after this year. And the lose part of it is it just it looked ridiculous on the uh, the organization's entirety. Like the team had split fans. People were upset because they didn't know what was going on with the team. And like the pu- the publicity of it was so swayed and shaded because nobody actually knew what was going on. You know, you got insider information that they had no idea what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was great for anybody as far as that goes. But I think that uh, the one thing that I really brought out was the solidarity of the team too. Because you know, you saw Devontae. I think that Devontae's thing with resigning had nothing to do with if Rodgers was going to be there for more than just this year. I think it was a statement of like, hey. You take care of your quarterback, and then you talk to me, but, like, you make sure that we're good as a team before I'm going to say anything to you guys about wanting to play with you guys for the future. If you guys can't work it out with somebody that's giving you this much, then I won't want to be a part of it. So I think that was kind of – it was more of a Devontae being a bro to Rodgers than anything with that. It's how I kind of wanted to take it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how I want to say that's what was going on. But Okay. Um, as a Packers fan, whose side were you on, Aaron Rodgers or the Packers organization? I was on both sides because I wanted Rodgers to get what he deserves, and I think that he should be in the loop, you know. I don't think it's fair for, you know, like a captain of the team, somebody who, you know, is, is has a huge hand in running the offense, and then they don't fill him in on anything. I don't remember... I believe it was maybe Alex Smith that had a statement that even when uh, when they were going to move on from him, that they they gave him a heads up. They're like, "Hey, this is our plan," and they told him about it, but they didn't. They never like communicated with Rogers. I think that was the initial spark that was like, "Hey, you guys have done this for like how many years now? I'm not telling me what you're doing, what's going on with the team, and like I'm here to do what's best for the team. So if there's any way I can help, I'd like to do that. If I can have input and tell you what I think." would be best for a team I'd like to do that you know, I feel like it was just much much of like a closed door situation where like the organization and like the GMs and everything were like we know what's best for the team you don't need to be a part of it and Rogers was like well I should be a part so why don't you tell me and that was kind of the stalemate and the butt head for however long and no progress was made on either parts but uh, do you think that Jordy Nelson, like, uh, when he left the Packers, he, he didn't want to at all. He basically begged the front office, like, take a minimum contract, I want to be part of the team, stuff like that, and Packers didn't um, have him back. Do you believe that could have been one of the first steps of, like, the separation between Aaron Rodgers and the front office? Like, Absolutely. it, it dates it back all been, that way? It could have been even earlier than that. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's just the kind of stuff that you need to be informed of as a player of the team. I feel like the whole team should probably know about what's going on with when one players are going to be departing for the team. And I mean, as far as reasons why, I don't think that they necessarily need to know the full story, but at least, you know, understanding that the direction that they want to go in instead of just being left in the dark and not knowing what their expectations or next move is. I don't like that. I think that should go for all organizations and teams should be um, one one whole unit instead of being separate entities, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I get that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the team as a whole now. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back, this offense again looks to be a powerhouse with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams at the top of their position. Uh, even with Rodgers like barely having an offseason and the O-line kind of changing up a bit, are you still pretty confident in this offense to be top five? I am. I, I think that A.J. Dillon's going to be kind of a secret weapon, you know? He's versatile. I think he's got better hands than people would give him credit for. He's got tree trunks for legs. He does. I think he's a powerhouse, so I think he's going to be a great relief and kind of a weird, like, you know how they have uh, the running backs that, like Derrick Henry, you know, he's so big and nobody likes to hit him because he's so hard to bring down that he just wears down the team or the defense. I think that he's going to have that same kind of effect because, you know, you mix him in early, the defense gets tired and Jones gets to stay pretty fresh having all those extra snaps off yeah. and he's going to be able to produce the numbers that he's been doing with like whatever half the snaps three quarters of the snaps that he would normally be taking so I think that's going to be huge and then the offensive line we'll see how that ends up and I think that the receiving court is still going to be there you know you got Devontae and you know filling the rest as long as they got somebody else out there that can at least catch a ball or run around <laughs> we'll be good that's true um all right so defense for the packers have been pretty st- steady in recent years and they went out and got eric stokes to uh in the first round to hopefully pair with uh jair alexander for multiple years to come uh tell me what you think about the packers and how they will uh, fare this season Since we got the Smith Bros, I haven't really been, I hadn't been excited about it. But, you know, you got good safeties. Jair's a stud. You got Stokes, who is very similar to Jair's play style. Just kind of a little scrappy guy that kind of gets in your face and doesn't let you go. Okay. And then uh, the one thing that I would have really liked to see this offseason is uh, I wanted to see Preston Smith get traded or get negotiated for a lower contract or something, I think uh, Sean Gary would have been a good good to bump up and throw in a starting role finally. Um, but that didn't happen, so I think it'll be nice to have the depth since, you know, depth's always good at that kind of position, especially, I feel like Zedarius gets hurt like once or twice a game, so... <laughs> It'll be nice to have that. Maybe keep those guys fresh too, you know, yeah. rotating in. Maybe, yeah, I don't know how Gary's coverage is, but I know that he's in the best shape that he's been in since he's uh, come out of college. So maybe he can do a little bit better job in coverage because they had Preston Smith in coverage quite a bit. And he can't play cover with the shit. <laughs> D-line, you know. It's all right. Well, it'll hold up, I guess. It's not the best. Um We'll be curious to see how the linebacker core is with, I don't remember who the hell it was. Um, they had Burks and, oh God, what the hell was his name? I can't help you out on this one. <laughs> I can't remember what his name is. He he showed up towards the end of last year. He was a rookie. Okay. That ended up being pretty good. So hopefully he can come back and he can take that next step and be a stud this year for us. So. I think that overall this might be one of the better defenses that we've had since Rodgers came into the league, so I'm pretty excited for it. All right, awesome. Um, If you're drafting uh, the Packers' number two wide receiver, 
Who would you – how would you rank uh, – let's do this. How would you rank the Packers wide receivers? You got Lazard, you got MDS, you got Devin Funches, and you got Amari Rodgers. Uh, as of right now, honestly, I would say that Lazard is probably the number two, but at the same time you can make a case for MVS being there. And you could also make a case for Funches because I think that in overall talent at the receiver position, I think that Funches might be the best one. Okay. As far as chemistry goes, Lazard. And who Rogers wants to throw to, I think Lazard probably has that. And as far as like fitting the scheme that they need the receiver in, I think MVS fits that probably the best. So we'll see what happens. I think that if Funches uh, can still do some deep routes like he has before. I think he'll probably be a pretty clear-cut number two. Okay, I like to hear that. Uh, do you have anything else to add to the Packers before uh, we do the predictions? Yeah, I like that take, too. Like, maybe this is also, like, a trial year for um, the Packers. Like, if they give Aaron Rodgers the respect and the um, courtesy that he deserves, that maybe Aaron Rodgers will do a two-year, three-year renewal where uh, he's one of the most paid quarterbacks um, if he's put in MVP-type numbers, and then uh, the relationship can move on from there. Uh, also, he needs to get a fucking haircut, man. He's a straight hippie right now. He's just been living his best life. Honestly, I feel like I feel like he could come back like this year and have an even better year than he's ever had just because I feel like while it was stressful for everybody else, I feel like he was kind of, you know, ignoring it, not letting it get to him and just relaxing and refreshing himself. So I think that he might come back fresh and he looks happier than he's ever been, having fun, so yeah. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, I mean, he's coming off an MP- MVP year where he um, t- 
talked about he found joy in football again um, last offseason. But also, like, people are like, well, Aaron, he might have a chip on his shoulder now that they drafted Jordan Love. I can't think of a, um, him not having a chip on his shoulder for coming off of this uh, crazy offseason. So, yeah, he's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Uh, what's your projected record of the Packers? Give me a 14-3. 14 and 3, alright, and you've had 25, okay, so you got 60, 55 left? 55 left. Ah, that's a bummer, I shouldn't have given them that much. <laughs> 55 it is. Um, I went with 12 and 5 for my projected record, I think they might drop a couple, um, but I still gave them the highest chance with 45%. That's how you do it. <laughs> alright, um, I I have been starting to do this at the end of uh, team previews as well. Uh, rank the like division as a whole, uh, fantasy wise, like who who you would take first. Let's start with quarterbacks. Um, I'm guessing Aaron Rodgers is first, but Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, and Jared Goff. How would you rank them? Uh, give me Aaron Rodgers, then Justin Fields, then Kirk Cousins, then. Uh... Goff. Goff. All right, I like that. I'd, I'd probably do the same, I think, because Kirk Cousins going to be handing the ball off a lot. And yeah, and it's just streaky, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Fields' upside is is huge just because you know he's got the he's got the running ability that no other quarterback really has in that conference, so or that division. So I feel like that's his upside. You know, if Rodgers wasn't my favorite quarterback, I'd probably put him up there first. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff has some Jets, but whatever. Uh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> running back, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery. Oh, that's tough. This is a pretty good running back division, too. Yeah, I want to... That's really tough. Just because, you know, Dalvin Cook does have that... Just that he just gets yards. Mm-hmm. But... Aaron Jones has Tut, running and receiving upside. So I would put I'll put I'll put Dalvin Cook first just because I think that he's going to be like the only person on that team that scores touchdowns basically. Okay. As to where you're going to get a lot more spread from the Packers. I think yardage, like total yardage, I think Aaron Jones probably have more, but we'll do we'll do Cook, Jones, Montgomery, Swift. Okay. Uh, wide receiver ones. Devontae uh, Adams. <laughs> uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, Rashad Perryman and Justin Jefferson. Uh, give me Devontae. Give me Jefferson. Robinson. And then Perryman. Okay. No, I don't know. I would honestly put... I would... Switch that. Give me Pyramid and then give me Mooney instead. Okay, I like that. Just because I, I mean, I do think that Robinson's definitely like the number one receiver. I just think that Mooney would be who I would take before Robinson. Okay. Um, and then tight ends: Hawkinson, Irv Smith Jr., um, uh, Cole Komet, and uh, Robert Tunyon. We'll do. I want to do Irv Smith and Hawkinson just because I don't know how that offense is going to be in the Lions. Okay. And then we'll do Big Bob Tanyan. Then come 
that's fair. That's fair. Uh, do you have anything else to uh, add to uh, the NFC North team previews? Yeah, give me uh, Packers defense, then the Bears, then the Lions, then the Vikings. What about kickers? Just kidding. Just kidding. Vikings oh. and Lions. Okay. What about the kickers? Uh, give me Crosby, and then I don't even know who the other kickers are, to be honest. Yeah. Stan Bailey still the Vikings? I don't know. I know Matt Prater left the Lions. And, um... Honestly, you could probably throw up uh, throw up second, give me the Bears kicker, just because I feel like they've been kicking a lot of field goals. Burn. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for our NFC North team previews episode. Uh, please... Uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, subscribe, share, give us that five star review, all that good stuff. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And thank Jack. Uh, thank you, Jack, for coming on the show and uh, giving us your wisdom. Hey, absolutely. It was nice to be back. Good to talk some football finally. Oh, hell yeah. Only a couple more weeks, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening, and that was the last team preview, so we're going to get into top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, wide receiver, tight ends uh, in future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Thank you. Bye.